so, are you curious? I am your ardent enthusiast, Kyle Olson. My conversation with Mandy Fabian continues as we dig deep into the world of a writer, including the ideas that haunt us, co-writing, the joys of dialogue, and the ups and downs of adaptation. Plus, we'll find out which of the friends Mandy has worked with. But before that, we're going to talk about her special connection to 30 Rockefeller Plaza. Chapter 5. The Dream of an Idea. All right, so before we get into the written word, which of ah. course I'm excited about too, there's a couple things on your IMDb profile that I wanted to ask you about. <laughs> uh, two particular acting things. You were on 30 Rock. Oh, yeah. What was yeah. that like? Oh, my God. Well, that was like a dream come true because I was such a huge fan of that show. Um, uh, weird side story. I don't know if I told you about how I went crazy for six months and got an audition on Saturday Night Live. Did I tell you no. that part? No. I don't know this story. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, okay. So I had done sketch comedy my whole life. So it wasn't a complete, you know, outrageous idea that I would audition for Saturday Night Live. Um, And I had sent in my little DVD. And then at the same time, I'd read that little book, The Secret, you know, the one that's like, all you have to do is imagine it. Visualize it and put it on the board. So I was like, I'm going to do an experiment. And I did The Secret so hard. I booked a plane ticket to New York City, and I told everyone that I had an audition for Saturday Night Live, when in fact I did not. Um, <laughs> did, did you know anyone who knew anyone who was on the show? So I had a, a friend who worked on 30 Rock. I, I don't remember okay. even what she did. She was, I think, like a PA or so. I don't even remember what she did. Oh, she maybe she was a writer's assistant. I don't remember. Okay. Um, but she worked with the 30 Rock folks and, um, and so she knew the lady who cast Saturday Night Live. Okay. So she got that lady, my DVD, I made a character DVD. So it wasn't okay. like completely out of the realm of possibility, except it was because they only ever scout UCB and the groundlings and, you know, yeah. um, yeah. it was a ridiculous thought and more ridiculous to book a plane ticket and then proceed to tell everyone with the exception of my <laughs> fiance at the time uh, <laughs> that I was going to go and do an audition for Saturday Night Live. And people go, like, I was on the plane. There's a lady, what are you flying to New York from? Like, oh, I'm auditioning for Saturday Night Live. And she'd say, oh, when? And I'd say, soon. <laughs> <laughs> and I was there as for soon like... As the universe wills it. Uh-huh. And I was there for six weeks. And I told okay. my agents and all my friends that I was auditioning for Saturday Night Live. And instead, I got an audition for 30 Rock, Okay. which I was like, oh, well, Saturday Night Live happens in 30 Rockefeller Plaza. You know, maybe that's it. So I did this tiny little part um, on 30 Rock and but it was really fun. Steve Buscemi directed it. So I got to oh, watch. Wow. Yeah, I got to watch him work again. It's like, right, you have a tiny little part, but you get to watch this director all day. Yeah. Um, and. I got to see the little email where Tina Fey like said, Mandy Steckelberg, that was my maiden name. Um, so it was like this really fun little thing of like, wow, you know, dreams come true and it's all happening at 30 Rockefeller Plaza. But I didn't let it go. And my time in New York ended and I took my plane ticket back to L.A. And they were like, what about Saturday Night Live? I'm like, it's coming. Just didn't happen this trip, but soon. And I I totally held it. And about a week later, after I got back, 
I got a phone call from the people at Saturday Night Live saying, oh, we want you. We want to fly you across the country. We want to test you and we want you to come audition. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. The power of the secret. So so what was your audition like? Oh, my God. It was a blast. Um, They were looking to replace Amy Poehler. And I, you know, I had been doing it for years. I was super excited. I was nervous as hell. I mean, well, I would expect so. But from what I've heard of the audition stories, it's a very cold room. Like, I mean, like in terms of like there's like four people in the room. So like you have to be like on and funny. And there's like just a handful of crew. Like there's no audience. There's no and nobody's going to laugh. They tell you a million times. Yeah. Ah. They tell you no one's going to laugh. No one's going to laugh. Now, they actually did laugh for me hey all right right so i was kind of like uh crushing it and then my new story was going to be like i am getting a job on saturday i'm now hired Uh by saturday night live all that stuff like i was like oh this is good i mean i was so excited because they did laugh they put me in amy puller's dressing room before the audition all right that's already some good karma i yeah and like I, I'm not gonna I mean I was totally crap my pants nervous, but it was sure. the greatest it was the greatest moment of my I, all I ever wanted to do was perform on that stage. And there I was, you know, they did my hair and makeup and put me on that stage and I looked down the barrel at the camera and I said my name and I did my characters and it was a total, total blast. I mean, it was a blast. I loved it. I did not so, get the job. <laughs> well, I guess it's a spoiler alert. You didn't get the job. Unless unless they're they're have a very long list Unless, and you just haven't yeah. gotten to around to it's, you yet. It's like Harry Potter. It's that it was season uh, <laughs> 23 and a half that you had to stand on a certain platform at Grand Central to to watch the season that I did of Saturday Night Live. So was Lauren in the room? Uh, I did not meet him specifically. I believe right. he was in the room, but okay. it's, it's dark. Right. I, I, but I think I remember them telling me that he was in there. Okay, interesting. Did, did you see any other people who were testing at the same time? I did not. I well, there was. I'm one. just curious if they kept you isolated or if there was like a general like there people was, moving around. There were six of us. I knew there was one girl from Chicago that I okay. saw. I think in the dressing room, like or the makeup room. Right. Um. But I think they did. They kind of kept us isolated. We didn't okay. get to. Well, it makes sense. I was just. I've heard other stories. Was like they lined you up and. No, I've heard stories where, you know, someone's waiting to audition and then they hear the person in front of them, yeah, you know, doing their Killing bits. And what, yeah. yeah. But that was not, I was the first one to go. Um, and I did it and then I, and then I left. And that was the day that Barack Obama was elected president. So, hey, I mean, how could you expect two miracles in one day? You know, we got, we got Obama. Right. All the, all the, the good luck and karma. Yeah. going a different direction. Yeah, The nation said, yes, we can. Yeah. Saturday Night Live said, no, you can't. So, <laughs> you know, it's fine. But having the 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 secret and, and his motivation and coming out with a consolation prize of getting a role on 30 Rock is not too shabby. No, not not bad at all. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. most people can't will themselves into uh, like a, a, a top 10 show. Uh, look, yeah. It was I mean, it was great. I've been I've had the privilege of having these like tiny, tiny little parts in these really big projects. And it's been a joy. I love it. I love being on set. And I I don't love acting, though. I mean, Uh. I love the process of acting. But the if you're not like number one on the call sheet or doing something that really takes if you're just like it's just one of those parts, you're just sitting around waiting for such a long time. And that 
the waiting is really hard for me. That's all. The other one, the, uh, the other one that I wanted to pull out was because in that one, in Thirty Rock, you got to play woman. Yeah, woman. Which, yeah, you know, you take what you can get. But I, I tried to get shapely woman, but I guess, <laughs> oh, yeah, they had already done that previous in the episode. So, uh, but the, you actually got to be Susan Kane when you were on Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, that was another... that's pretty cool. <laughs> This is all a story really about how I'm psychotic. I, so <laughs> oh, OK. I thought you, I didn't realize these two were them- thematically linked. I was just excited by the fact that these are like big time shows yeah, that you got to be on. I know. I'm it's stupid luck. I So I had done Dropping the Soap, the web series that I wrote. OK, was we'll get being- to that. Yes, was uh, I know had, I'm jumping around in time, but no, I was just curious. It's fine. So it was a I can't I think I had met Dan Bukatinsky because he was uh, producing it at the time. They were okay. trying to sell it. And I'd met him and we just got on like a, you know, like a house on fire. We, it was great. And and he was the writer of that episode. And he wow. threw me a bone and was like, hey, let's let Mandy come in and, and audition for this. But I couldn't come in for the audition. Oh, um, because I was leaving town and it was one of those things where I was like, I can't I can't move my flight. I have to go. So I cannot come audition for this. So I was like, I mean, I have tape. I, I you know, I, I, yeah, I've done things I can. Send I was them. woman on 30 Rock. Yeah. Do you not know my history? <laughs> I literally sent a couple like one of the, I had done a tiny little web series thing and I sent them a couple episodes of that. I was you like, sent them your reel. And I said to somebody earlier, I, I was like. I'm offer only. If they want me, <laughs> I was like, I've decided. Well, the, no, no, but this is why I was like, the way that I'm actually going to quit acting is say that mm. I'm offer only because then oh. I'll, I'll never get an offer, and that way, it the career I I don't actually have like, to. They just haven't met my quote yet. Exactly. I don't ever actually have to quit. I just have to make my standards so high that no one will ever meet them and then we can just call it a truce like i didn't quit but they also wouldn't hire me because i was offer only and then so i said i made this joke that like well now i'm offer only and then i get this audition that i can't make and i send in my tape i'm like i can't and they offered it to me (laughs) (laughs) wow you must have a hell of a good reel why you know why can't I just make that like uh, you know every time? Every time yeah, I should just be time? an uppity asshole and be like, "You're gonna do this for me, and it'll work out." Um, yeah. So. so, so what? So, did did you have a medical malady? Like, what was your? Did oh. you have something stuck into you? Like, were you on impaled on something? Oh like, God. what was your? What was your medical problem? It was so fun. I did not have a medical problem, thank God. I'm not a cry on cue person. I was a mom to a little girl who was having um, medical issues, but it wasn't like a sad medical issues because the issue was with her brother who was a super brat. And we uh. were we were parents who were very like, we don't say no. We oh. say, uh, it was uh-huh. so fun, you know, to be the, you know, the ki- like I think the little kid like shot a doctor in the face with a, a dark gun and I had to be like, you know, hands are for hugging, not for hitting, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yes, I know oh, that type. <laughs> I loved it so much. I, I, I love playing those characters. It was it was a blast. Yeah, I got really lucky. And I got to That's meet a- um, I got to meet yeah, Patrick who, yeah, Dempsey. Who, who, were you, who were you doing the scenes with? Uh, 
I don't remember the name. I didn't do a scene with Patrick Dempsey. I just say, Chris and I have been around a long time and they've gone through a lot of actors. So I, I totally understand. You might even say the name and I'll go, OK, like I think I, I stopped watching it. It's like season eight or something. So. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it? Is it still going or did it I think finally... it's still going. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was I mean, everybody was like a good tight family on that set. You know, they've been doing it forever. So they really it's just like clockwork. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember the name of the actress who I had the scene with. I don't remember. Isn't that terrible? Okay. Well, uh, you, you, you've been through a lot. And it's, it's, at this point here, as we're going in 2021, I don't begrudge anybody memory stuff oh, just God. because last year has turned my memory to tapioca. Like anything from the that? before times, I just kind of go, hmm, just sure. Like I, that's, this is why we have IMDb. This is why we have on-demand stuff. You can just go back and watch and go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's who it was. Well, there is that, right? Yeah. None of us have to remember anything, so. I don't recall. I don't expect perfect recall from anyone. Well, and I always like, I mean, that's, I I hardly ever remember, I, I hardly ever remember the names of actors or actresses. It's always, I've always been the person, like, it's. I grew up on a ranch, so there's a part of me that I'm like, I think, I think I still live on a ranch. I'm always like, ah, <laughs> I, it's a little bit like if the information gets to me, then it's important. You know, that's right. <laughs> I don't go seek it. Like if somebody, if like, and it's great too, for being a, a, an independent filmmaker, because like, mm. oh, I know when someone's famous, because if I know about them, oh. they're famous. I don't do deep yeah. dives, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. And, the, and that also means that you're not prejudiced against somebody when you come together, because if if you don't know them, then you're not you're not thinking like by their previous work. That's yeah, true. Like you can you can just evaluate them on like, are you going to be a, a real jerk on my set? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is true. Yes. Okay, so those are those are the two I just wanted to pull. I mean, I'm sure other stuff will come up. But um, as I was looking through the list, those are the ones that that I, I wanted to bring. Up. OK, so uh, when we last left uh, you, you uh, had written a office spec. Oh, and yeah. it was the first time you had actually sat down and, and put pen to paper. Yeah. Uh, and so now did, that, that that got sent around. And so that got you work. Or did you just like go, oh, this is fun. I'm going to start working on something now. Or did someone say, hey, write a thing for me? It was um, <laughs> it was how I learned to be a writer instead of dreaming of being a writer. Right. Were you dreaming I, of being a writer? That doesn't happen very often. I, <laughs> I know, right? Um, Most people are just like, it's an affliction. Well, oh, God, right. No, Because well, if I could not do it, eh, uh, there's lots of easier jobs out there. Oh, yeah. I just heard a podcast where Tina Fey, did we talk about this, where Tina Fey said there's nothing fun about writing. The only yeah. only fun part of writing is when it's finished. Yeah. Paul and, F. Tompkins has said, like, basically, yeah. having written feels fantastic. Oh, yeah. Writing is terrible. The worst. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why I decided to take it on, except I guess I try to do everything that's hard and makes you miserable. Um, yeah. No, I uh, I actually had written half of Did I tell you this? I had written half of it. And I asked my husband, I was like, who was not my husband at the time. I was like, do I have to write the rest or can I, like, just send somebody? And I meant it completely <laughs> seriously. Like, sure. that's how deluded I was. I was like, I'm sure I'm a writer. I mean, I'm a good writer. Like, people yeah. should just know that. I'm so creative, you know. Yeah. And, they'll, and it, re they'll read my segment and go, oh, clearly uh, she's got it. I mean, right? I literally was yeah. like, well, I could send a portion of a script. That would be plenty. And and he was like, uh, no, no, you have to write <laughs> an entire beginning, middle, and an end. Yeah. And, and so I was like, oh. So, um, 
I did as the first time I really like did the hard work of this is not just an idea and it's not just a sketch and it's not just a dream of an idea. It's an idea that you're going to take the idea and then you are going to go look at office scripts and see how they structure everything. And you're going to watch a bazillion episodes of the show and see how they do it. And then you're going to. For you know, write the words, do the in the structure that they do it, and then you're gonna go back and rewrite it, and then you're gonna get more notes and you're gonna rewrite it again. And that was my first time really doing that process. Yeah, I I, I remember doing the same thing. And I, I got to the point where I could feel the rhythms because after you do it a couple times, you start to go, Oh, I see. This is like the set one-off joke. Okay, this is setting stuff up for later. And it doesn't wreck it for you, but at the same time, you get sensitive to the and commercial break like you you basically can feel when something is wrapping up or when you're getting to to a beat so much so that when something breaks that form it wakes me up like when a show does something all of a sudden they take a left turn i go oh oh, hold on like that's really cool now are you a structure baby like do you get structure no it's for me it's it's all instinctual in terms of like i i feel like i've consumed thousands of hours of it uh that i feel the rhythm more Mm -hmm. than i actually like have to to outline or anything like i don't i wish i could i wish i took notes i wish i had journals i wish i could outline but i i don't i basically wow. just sort of have the i i I, I feel like just because i've warped my brain by watching thousands of hours of, of sitcoms and and movies and terrible television shows that i could just kind of feel it but i actually i found that i'm actually i actually overcompensate because i get i get um tired of it way sooner than i probably should where i'm like i am bored with this scene something should happen now oh uh, now okay but i have a question for you so you don't yes. outline i don't outline i wish okay. i i really wish i did but, but i don't well i didn't when i first started either but when i don't outline it turns into a bit of a first idea best idea scenario right because yeah, true you sort True. of have to take your idea and then you 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 follow that down and then it unfolds in that way, which can be really fun stream of consciousness like. But but then I found that if my first idea wasn't my best idea, now I have to unpack an entire and reverse an entire script and undo an entire written thing. Whereas what I learned with outlining, even though I hate it because it's no fun, but yeah. But what I learned with outlining was you go, you you get to have that process where you go, well, he could ask her to marry him, and then it would play out like this, and you sort of can dream about that. And yeah. then you go, or he could break up with her and at, you know go out with this girl and then you can sort of play that out and weigh options before you get all entangled in dialogue and scenes and you know yeah so yeah, absolutely i think i mean everybody has to find their own thing and i and i don't want to find their own method and i don't want to have the impression to anyone listening that i just go i have a brilliant idea and i can just sit down and write an entire script because that's that's not what it is uh I basically plan everything in my head and then, but when I write, I sort of just like let the chaos happen. But my, <laughs> this is, this is where it gets weird. So my storytelling training comes from Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, so I was, I was a, a dungeon master since I, I it wasn't, I, I played a bunch of different role playing games. I actually, I did more stuff in uh, the storyteller system, vampire, the masquerade for those of you nerds out there. Um, but so I, I was, you know, I would sort of be the game master in terms of like I would run the story and then everyone else was the characters. So 
what I had to learn was I could set up plot and I could carry NPCs, but the characters were going to do whatever they were going to do, and I had to react to it. So I could plan all I wanted, but if I had a monster down the hallway and they never go down the hallway, well, then I still have to tell a story and be interesting in them. So the sort of what I learned from that is that I because there's a certain amount of chaos of the characters are going to do what they're going to do, even when I'm writing them. So I try to have a rough plot in terms of like, I know where they're going. Like it's, it's the roadmap thing. So like we're, we're starting in New York. We're going to Los Angeles. I have 10 stops along the way, but I don't know exactly what the route is going to be. I only know the stops they're going to make along the way. Ah, uh, okay. So I sort of just then I, I develop my characters. I have them like what they're going to, what their conflicts are and everything. And I just sort of let them loose and I just kind of transcribe what they do. Mm, okay, cool. I mean, that that's just the method that has worked for me. I, yeah. and, and sometimes it doesn't work. I mean, sometimes I have written myself into corners and are written and go, oh, yeah, I don't know where the hell I'm supposed to go now. Like, I'm off the map. I don't know what happened. So I have to, yeah. you know, retrace and, and oh. do that and revise and stuff, too. But th- this is this is the, what I found is basically I just sort of listen and then let them sort of tell me where they want to go or I or I throw something at them until they go the way I want them to. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think if you. It's interesting because I had like Killing Vivian was a short film that I did that I had no idea how it was going to end. I only knew the premise of it and I had an idea of how to set up the premise and then how to heighten the premise. But I really didn't know how it ended. And then it actually has this great twist at the end that I love. But it was really, truly one of those like, (gasps) as I was writing it, I couldn't believe it, you know. Yeah. Um, which is really fun. And that, but then there's other, like, there's a different short film I did called You're Breaking Up, where the whole, the whole movie was built to go to that ending. Like, I yeah. knew the ending and then I went yeah. backwards and said, okay, if that's where we're ending up, you know, how do we get there? So, yes. Yeah. And then have it so that people don't know where they're going to, so the characters don't know where they're going to end up or the audience. Yeah. Cause it's really, I mean, it's, there's always surprises. Even if you outline things, you have surprises because you don't know a character's going to say something like that or, you know. Yeah. I like stream of consciousness writing. I really do. I feel like there's a lot of magic in it and it can, it, it it's more likely to give you that thing you're talking about. The thing that sort of is a, is a twist on the old formula. Yeah. I, I even, even something I was writing today. Um, I was, as I was sitting there, I, I sort of, I sort of usually before I start, I, of course I do everything I possibly can to stop myself from starting. That's just part of the procedure oh, is God. like, Oh, laundry. Oh, you need to finish. Oh, I got to send this email. Like a hundred things will come up and before I can actually can sit down, even when I have dedicated time to writing, because the brain doesn't want to do it. No, you have never. to get it going. Uh, and I was, and I was, so I, then I just sat quietly and I was thinking about, okay, what do I want to accomplish in the scene? Who's in it? What are they going to say? And I came up with like, I'm like, oh, that is a really good line. I've never heard that in anything before. That has to go in there. And I wrote the entire scene and I was like, and at the end, you know, oh, nailed it, walked away. And I'm like, I didn't put the line in. I didn't put the line in the scene. Like I had to, like a one line. I'm like, ooh, that's good. I'm going to build to that. Boom, it's going to hit. And then we're going to go out. And I never put it in the scene. And oh. now, like, I have to go back and like, I'm like, oh, let me find an organic way to put this brilliant thing that I thought of in the scene. But well, do you need to put it in there or is it one of maybe those not. things? Yeah, maybe not. But it's like either I'm just going to hold it and put it somewhere else because I'm like, ooh, I like that. File it away. That's interesting. Yeah, I have a couple of those like ideas that I go, oh, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> right. they're not even novel ideas, but 
like I, I I don't write this sort of thing. So if this works for you, feel free to take it. But I've always wanted to write something <laughs> where, you know, the reveal is that 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 there's somebody getting a mis- like a woman who's looking for a criminal. Right. A, like she's been hunting down this guy forever. And then she yeah. goes to take a break because she's been so stressed and, you know, her boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever takes her away and she goes and gets a massage and has this whole conversation with her massage therapist and then at the end when he says thank you you know and leaves like she opens her eyes and the guy who's been massaging her is the guy she's been looking for forever and ever oh right like <laughs> yeah because yeah. you know you that's such a weird situation where sometimes you don't see the per the, you know you, you don't yeah. see the person before they come in and they massage you that's true. That's yeah. Oh, that's, that's that's interesting. Yeah. To to build up the, that she's just like so frustrated that she's been tracking and like, can't find it. I know it's in this area. I know that he's right. a medical person. You know, like and she this just kind of thing. Up. And then it turns like, out, oh, I'm just gonna yeah. go. You oh, know. that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That happened to me one time. I I was telling somebody about this magical story that I'd started to write. I didn't know really where it was going. They did not know this, but it was a real like children's fantasy cool like I was writing it as a novella it was just a beautiful story but I didn't know how it was going to end and as I was sort of telling where you know where I was in the story one of my friends is like oh yeah and then it ends up that she goes home and she was there all along or whatever you know she said the thing and I was like (gasps) yes yeah (laughs) yeah that is actually how it ends yep (laughs) Mm-hmm. I was just <laughs> thinking that, and yep, that's what we're gonna do. So uh, when you uh, you said when you had started to do your first, uh, was it uh, was it a short or was it a a feature that you were gonna do that you ended up writing with someone else? Oh, um, the so the I did the office spec alone, and the the right. first the first feature I did on my own. And okay, that's when I discovered that that's, you know say that's that's a marathon. Holy God! I mean, I I ugh, I took a class, yeah. like I took one of those boot camp classes, and sure. you know suffered through being a lonely, frustrated writer. I came up with something yeah. that is actually it's actually it's the screenplay of that novella, that children's fantasy novella that oh, I wrote, okay. and I wrote a screenplay because I loved it so much. It's a I really like that piece and um. So that I did that, but I didn't, you know, it was not a genre that I'm going to repeat. It was one, it was kind of a one-off Harry Potter-ish kind of thing, but my brain doesn't usually work that way. So I was like, well, you know, what am I going to do? Get an agent as a children's fantasy writer and then be like, oh, I don't actually write any other children's fantasy. (laughs) Surprise. Just had one idea. It was just that one, actually, (laughs) you know, so. um, It's your, it's your catcher in the rye. You're just like, then I'm out. Man, see ya. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um. I guess I could have come up with something, but like, oh, I'm so not. Yeah. Anyway. Um, So then, yeah. So my roommate at the time um, was working on a piece that she was an idea that she had sort of kicked around with some people in New York. It was one of those like, hey, I have a house we could use. Let's write a story that we could shoot in that house. Yeah. Absolutely. And they came up with like a, a sibling dynamic and it was all about the mom selling the house. And then she was working on that. And then. It was kind of, you know, she was sort of like needing some, uh, you know, some conflict, some structure. Yeah, some, I, like to go, I like to call the crunchy bits. She like has some inspiration. She was like, I'm yeah. a little stuck. And so she was like, I think I'm going to try to find a writer to help me with this. And I wasn't really I was still really more heavily an actor at the time. And yeah. I was like, well, let me take a look at it. And like, I'd love to. Talk, I'm happy to talk to you about it if it's something that, I, you know, and I, it 
totally caught my imagination on fire. And I would be like, oh, what about this? What about that? What about, no, 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 don't do that. Do this. And I, and we totally like would stay up late talking about this in our kitchen. And, and finally I, I was helping her to write her script going, you know, sending her long questions about each character and like answer this and what's her thing and just really, really helping her write it. Um, mm-hmm. but then she was like, we're, I'm not writing this. We are writing this because this has been our process. And like, there's no, we, you know, I, there was my family in there and her family. So we wrote a script about a mom who, um, a, like an eccentric mother who was dying. And then she decided to throw herself a living funeral to try to bring her estranged children back together again. And we both have, you know, we both, like I said, put our, our mothers are combined to make this mother and our siblings are combined to make these siblings. And like, so it's a really fun thing. And we, that was the first thing that I co-wrote with somebody. So that, that I have not done. So tell me a little bit about that process. Like, how did you, determine like did you break the story together and then you divvied out scenes or or what like how how, what was the actual like writing process work well like so she had written like 60 pages of stuff but it wasn't quite it wasn't exactly the story that we were coming up with together um so so i was like keep this keep this keep this and and we'll keep all that and we'll put that in the new new thing and then we just sort of really took out the bits that didn't work and then came up with the bits that did and i think we outlined i'm pretty sure we outlined we'll have this scene then we'll have that and really really for collaboration you almost would have to yes 100% just so, you, just so both of you can keep in a time where you are yeah just it wasn't like an official like interior lobby it was you know what i mean it was like okay here's the story beat john comes home and and finds out that you know yeah it's like one little little snug line essentially we had a lot of stuff that wasn't a lot of it was character like so we we knew and this is how i always approach movies um i i do a lot of care every character matters to me Mm. and yeah you always (laughs) want to get a very clear about like where they are at the beginning and where they are at the end right so you that was the thing we had to figure out. Like, so here's who Sam is at the beginning of the movie. Who is she at the end of the movie? Here is, you know, every character, where are they at the beginning and what do they get from the end and, and what gets them there? What are the scenes yeah. or moments that propel them or change them? And so less plot driven, although there's plot, obviously, but really more like the plot is derived from what's going to change the character. And so we did all that work and then... So we knew we had to have a scene where this changes Sam's mind about blah, 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 or, you know, and we, we did all that. And then once we were done with that, I, um, took a crack at the first pass and I just wrote the thing and then I passed it to her and then she rewrote the thing and put, you know, she would add scenes or change things or whatever. And then once we had done that, I think we did that like maybe three or four times passing it back like that. And then we would do the hard work of um, sitting down together. We, mm. I think we had readings and things, but I don't like the sitting down together. Some people, some people are able to really parse that work out. Like one person just talks and the other one types. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good dynamic. We did not do that. We both typed and we were both meticulous about whether something should be a the or an and 
Oh, yes. And that's a that made it a lot harder, but, you know, worth it. Like we both felt really strongly about every word that was on that page, but it took a while to get us both there because we were both so opinionated about it. You know, did you uh, did you get into I won't say fight, but did you get into like did it get intense? Did you get to the point where the the two of you were like not yelling, but like really strongly like this should be and this should be out on something? Um, we were very. And how, and how did you work through that? I guess is the other. Yeah, I mean, we were very passionate, but the truth is, like, at the end of the day, when you have a partner, right? Like, it's easy to put in things that don't work great when you're on your own because sure. you figure, oh, I'll get to it later, or you know, um, and you know, talk about you have to have better ideas. Like writers don't just get to have one idea. Right. If that first idea, you know, if somebody doesn't like it, they want you to change it or, or, you know, three out of four people don't think it's funny. Then, you know, I, I think I told you the story where my friend said, well, don't you have any other ideas? Well, <laughs> right. right. I was so offended that somebody didn't like the most brilliant thing I'd ever written. She's like, just come yeah. up with something else. And I'm like, what? You know, but that is the job. Right. So for us, it was like, if we didn't both love it, then it wouldn't, neither of us would bend. So everything in that script had to be something that we either both loved like crazy or mm -hmm. we didn't hate it so much or you know it was like six of one like it that we were fine with it anything that we don't like doesn't end up in the script so that's how that works with a partner and you and a lot of times it pushes you to come up with better things true yeah say so having having sort of an audience right there yeah, because, you know, if, like, does this work? Right. If you don't think it works and I love it and I think it's the best thing ever. Look, somebody doesn't think it works. So it, there's a possibility then that that doesn't work. So you have to find the thing that works for both of you. Um, now, were you I say, are you are you monogamous when it comes to scripting? <laughs> like, no. Are you a single project person or like while you're collaborating with her, were you also writing something on the side? I was I. I was always writing a gazillion things at once and I I okay. don't I don't recommend it but <laughs> <laughs> I really don't but that is what I did cuz I I was you know I really was crazy about my ideas I I wanted to do all of them and I also did not have just one writing partner Oh interesting mm -hmm. I had uh I wrote something with uh Mandy Kaplan Oh, OK. I love the script we wrote together. And that was the thing where, you know, we we can't agree on any idea ever. <laughs> so we never agree on anything. So coming up with which is funny because I think she's hilarious and she thinks that, and I we, we respect and love each other. But everything, every idea she has, I'm like, Bleh. and every idea she'd be like, <laughs> like we hated our each other's ideas. <laughs> so we came up with one idea that we both went. Oh. And it was so good that we both wanted to do it. And miraculously, you know, we, we did. We And you didn't kill each other. No, no. <laughs> I mean, almost. But because we're so different. So, but, so, then, then you, so then you did two different sort of writing relationships. Yeah. What did you find were the differences between them? Um, Mandy was not as like. Uh, she didn't, she was okay with me being a little more like, I wanted to say it like this, you know, mm, <laughs> she was okay. a little more flexible with that stuff. And we were writing two totally different things. Like, sure. Uh, well, one's more drama, one's more comedy. Yeah. One was a very character driven character arc, how they, 
how they develop over time. And the other one is yeah. like just a flat out fun comedy. The characters are very sketchy and broad, but like I love, I love this movie and I still hope someday that we get to make it. Okay. Um, so you get, you got that in your back pocket. So next yeah. time. Yeah. So Halloween I, comes calling, you can be like, yeah, we were just making each other laugh and being stupid, you know, and then trying to also crack the code of what makes a good movie, like looking at other movies like this and going, okay, how is this similar to Wedding Crashers? Or, you know, um, we we looked we looked at a lot of classic comedy, our favorite comedies and looked like, okay, where are they by pay by, you know, minute yes. 20? And, and yeah. how do they do buddy comedies? Because ours is a buddy comedy. So we really looked at like, where do they have their dark night of the soul? What are the things, you yep. know, how, you know, and, um, and then we also, God, we, even though neither of us, once again, it was, it's an action comedy. Oh, okay. Which is crazy. Right. Because I'm like, yeah. it's about, I'm, it's, I do as about as many of those as I do children's fantasy. Um, <laughs> but you know, you get an idea and you go, oh, you know, it, it comes to you and you're like, well, this right. is it. This is the one I'm doing. Now, at at the time, and, and much more so than now, you were a writer slash actor. Yeah. So were you thinking of roles for yourself in either of these things, or were you just like, the story is the story? That's interesting. Um, I always, uh, like, when I'm coming up with characters, I they get written in, in my voice, right? Like, huh. I mean as a comedian you have a specific voice and way sure. that you do things so i think you always write jokes and things in a way that you would deliver that you would think is funny like we would be acting out these scenes in character with each other and there was one character that was definitely mandy and there was one that was definitely me and like <laughs> there was a best friend character that i had added to the other one that was totally me and like yeah. an actual situation from my life that we added into the movie that I just thought was hysterical and added this whole storyline. So I don't, I never dreamed that I would get to do them because we imagined that they would be made and that there would be famous people doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember listening to Jane Espenson, who's one of my favorite writers. She was talking about writing on once upon a time, the television series that was on ABC. And she said, one of the challenges is they're all, fairy tale characters so she's like how does snow white tell a joke oh wow right and so sort of one of those things where like a, an interesting challenge but then she was like because is there, there's a very different structure for different people she says you, you can write a funny line but the way sandra bullock delivers it is different than the way that angelina jolie would deliver it mm -hmm. so you have to write for the performer and yeah. i always thought of that too like oh yeah like my Sense of humor is one thing, but the specific way I, I structure the thing, not everybody can do what I want them to do. So I have to make it work for other people who aren't me, <laughs> you know, even because you're, you're every character and yet you're none of them. So you have to like have it accessible for other people. So it's not just like <laughs> I make myself laugh. Yeah. And I think it's really tricky to actually make sure that that. I think the clarity of what each character is trying to accomplish and what their relationships are and how they're changing and like all those really rich details keep you from writing someone who just sounds like every other character in your movie. Right. Like yeah. if you have a strong voice, it can be very um, 
dangerous to sort of that everybody just talks the same. And that's not right. how people talk. But, you know, what's interesting, too, is like the movie that I just did. There are people who I cast in that movie who talked at a totally different rhythm and pace than I imagined the character talking. Yeah. But they really made it their own, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. So sometimes an actor will come in and and transform something like that, right? Like it, it'll be your jokes and your sense of humor, but somebody else will be doing it from their perspective and it makes it seem like it's theirs, you know? Yeah. Or, or, or find a joke in a line that was never intended <gasps> to have one. Oh my God. It's just, that's just like, like magic. How did you do that? That was the, that was just a boring line to get to the next line and you made, you found a funny way to say it. Right. Oh. Just blows my mind. There's, inevitably, there's always one joke in there that it gets a big laugh, and I'm I'm still like I still don't get it. I don't know why that's yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. And I'll turn to yeah. somebody and be like, Why is that funny? Because it's just a thing that's it, one of the characters says. You know, makes sense to me. And people are like, Wow, oh, such a funny joke. You know. I remember every time that there's a, a script reading, I always like have my pencil there. And whenever I'm like, oh, here it comes. And then like, and then like, there's no response. I always write clunk next to it. I'm like, okay, that joke didn't work. <laughs> Try to get, and sometimes I will, I will keep it in. I'm like, you know what? Somebody's going to think that's funny. And I'm, so I'm going to keep it in there because I think it's funny. <laughs> oh yeah. I like to just say like, well, people are listening. That's why they're not laughing. Yeah, that's right. They're like, oh they're listening. Yes. It's going mm -hmm, by very mm -hmm. fast. They want it. They don't want to miss a word. They're laughing deep, deep, deep down. Yeah. <laughs> it's a soul laugh. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, it's funny how, uh, you know, like writing those characters, you know, you really, when I first started writing, that was something like all of my characters talked the same. I got that note a lot. Oh yeah. 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 But then somehow miraculously, I don't know if you just get to know more people or if you, you know, you figure, you figure it out somehow that they start talking a little bit to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, it, when I can look back at the early stuff and go, I, I can tell what I was listening to at the time because it was like oh that's clearly like oh writer yeah. x this writer is like i'm like oh yeah yeah i see what you did there <laughs> i love yeah oh yeah there's a i wrote one of my favorite favorite sketches of all time was a, a, a sketch that i wrote after i had just read i'd gone on this whole jag of reading harold pinter the playwright oh okay and he has this really rhythmic way of writing yeah. and everything is completely he loves the pause yeah yeah and everything is subtext. Nobody's yeah. actually saying what they mean. It's all subtext. And I came, I mean, it was a ridiculous sketch where it was prisoners of war who were going to be tortured by being forced to do the Macarena. It's the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, that old chestnut. But the way that I wrote it was this like, that, like the rhythm of it was so, and the characters were so weird, you know, but it was, yeah. I loved, I had that rhythm so in my head from reading all this Pinter, you know, and I, and I love that. I love it when you see something and you go, oh, that's, that's the feeling that I want. That's what I want to create like that's that's the world that i want to sort of um live in for this next project you know yeah yeah i'm, I'm right with you like my i love dialogue it's my favorite thing in the world uh, and all the stuff i i people i have listened to and done are all that sort of da, 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 like it's the it's aaron sorgan talks about the music oh, it's God. like it's like you hear the rhythm and 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 so whenever i talk to a director about the stuff i said like look whatever you can do whatever you want you know, like I, it's, it's your it's your show to get in, but faster is better. 
like my stuff does so much better if you keep the pace up because if you if you slow down then it's just like you each line hangs there and it it doesn't work because the counterpoint is coming so you need to duh, 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 and keep it keep it keep it moving no matter what it is i agree I don't know if that's it maybe me being pretentious, but like I've heard it both ways and I can tell you <laughs> one works and the other doesn't. Well, it's interesting. Like sometimes thing in film, really stylized things can feel uh too stiff, like unnatural, right? Yeah. And, but but the rhythm the rhythm you're talking about, like I don't care that Aaron Sorkin's stuff feels stylized to me. No. Right. It's like it's such a song. It's such a beautiful. Yeah. I love his stuff. And the rhythm of it is so important. And like this, like this movie that I just did, I have a very rhythmic like I think I'm a songwriter. Right. Like that's really what I'm doing. And it would kill right. me not all the time. But I had to find that happy medium between because these are friends hanging out on a campground. You know, I had to I had to find the happy rhythm between the rhythm of the language being perfect in that Aaron Sorkin way but yeah. also having each of these people able to talk like they would normally talk, right? Like to be able to do their version of the character without killing the jokes. Yes. And it's an, it was really an interesting experiment, you know, to be able to have it sound really natural and really like it's falling out of their mouth at their cadence. But I think the thing is, I did notice that when it comes to jokes, I have I had to be more I would I would next time be a little bit more. That was awesome. Now you need to say the line exactly as I wrote it. <laughs> yeah. like I, Take, I, I, That's what I direct to. I'm like, OK, we got that. Yeah. We got that one. And now can work. you do it the way? Yeah, exactly. In the edit, you don't know. Like until you get to the end, you go, oh, you know what? They are, They were right. Yeah, that is better. Like I'm actually going to use the well, their first take. It turns out was better than than wh where I directed them to do. For sure. If it I mean, it, it sometimes it feels more natural and it's great. But then there's that there's the couple things where I'm like, oh, my God, why did you put man at the end of that line? <laughs> hey, yes. man, like, oh, no, you know. So in this period, then of stuff you were writing, what was the first thing that sort of got filmed oh you mean like professionally because like you can film anything well, no anything, anything i mean uh, the first thing I, I did was i think patrick and i did three episodes of a little like mini web series thing called um now with child okay uh because i was pregnant and we were laughing at like how terrible we were as parents. Like, you know, like the, <laughs> we're going to be. Yeah. yeah I, I just thought it was hilarious that I was such a jackass and I was now going to be a mother. And that, and I was constantly saying things that were horrible. And Patrick was constantly trying to be like, you know, you can't say things like that. And, you know, so, and I, so there were all these real things that happened to me when I was pregnant and I wrote all these, I wrote these little episodes and we shot that little thing. And that was really fun. Um, and I, you know, I pitched it to like, Nickelodeon was going to do an adult thing like you know so mm -hmm. th there was that but then there was dropping the soap which was really okay. my first time doing yeah dropping the soap was first that was my first time doing a 10 episode like wow. yeah and and we didn't half hour no they were 10 they were like 10 minutes oh okay um that's a, that's more more reasonable for 10 episodes yeah 
uh, I mean, because it was, I mean, I didn't, I'd never done anything like that before. And when he, right. when we started, he was like, you know, can you write the first couple episodes we want to do? We want to do behind the scenes of a failing soap opera. And I was like, mm, well, that sounds, okay. I love soap operas. I would love to write that. And then I met with all the actors and it was great. It was really fun. We had this lunch and I was, I looked at all the people and like heard them talk. And I was like, oh, well, you're clearly the writer, oh, yeah. you're, you right. guys are going to be enemies. You don't get to be best friends. Sorry. You're going to be enemies. You're yeah. closeted. You're, you're overqualified for the show. You're underqualified for the yes. show. Yes. And it was so yeah. fun to like really come up with those characters and storylines. And we wrote a couple episodes because they had money to shoot two episodes. So we did that. Okay. And then they got money to do like two more. So I wrote two more. And then I wrote a <laughs> Like what I thought was probably, I don't know, season finale kind of. We wrote the fifth one and then we shopped that around. And that's when Jane Lynch and Dan Bukatinsky and Lisa Kudrow and those people came on board as executive producers to sort of try to make it into a thing. Because at that time, web series were sort of they were trying to figure out right. how to, you know, yeah, have everybody, everybody's trying to figure out this new right. worldwide web video streaming thing. Right. And how to like maybe Pepsi. It's a, you know, your show sponsored by Pepsi and then. You know, that kind of thing. Trying to get money so that people would get paid for doing these little web series, things like that. Um, so were you like in the room having those conversations or were you still just like the writer? No, I was very lucky that I got to be in the room because oh. because it was I, I was the one who was going to have to do that. And, and we actually worked together like Paul and Kate were the two. They were the two leads on the show. And we really okay. did create like we we went over everything together. Um, I wrote everything, but then we would break story. We would talk about things. They would say what they liked and didn't like. And um, and really, though, for the trying to service what, you know, because people were saying, like, well, could you do it in, you know, could you do 10, five minute episodes? Could you do two right. half hours? Could you do, yeah. you know, would you would you be able to do this? Like and I was responsible for being like, yes, and here's how we would do it. And now let me pitch it to you. And here's six. 30 minute episodes and here's how we would do it if it was, you know, so there was a lot yeah. of that in the process of trying to like sell it. Um, yeah. And then ultimately what happened is we, we did get financing and we made it and we used the first five original scripts. And then I just wrote five more and we did a 10 episode um, season and it was okay. great. It's really, did, really fun. Did you on that 10th episode where you sort of like, this could be the last one. So I need to do it. Or were you like, I'm going to put stuff in here that, that'll make it so they have to give us more. Um, It was a season finale for season one. We okay. had some ideas for what could happen in season two, but we didn't. It wasn't like we were looking for a season two, you know, like okay. if, if that were to happen, then great, you know, but it, it, it had taken. I mean, that whole process, honestly, it took like seven years. Wow. At least. I mean. That was in 2017, I think, that Jane won the Emmy. Um, I was going to say, I was trying to think, I was trying to put yeah. my head in the timeline. So this is a post-Friends Lisa Kudrow, yeah. but a during Glee yeah. Jane Layton. Mm -hmm. right, okay. Yes. Uh, but that was in, so it was in 2010 when we shot the originals. Okay. And then we shopped them and then we, you know, went through the whole thing. So that was, so I wrote these things in 2010 and then we shot them. And then in 2017 is when we finally like had released it. it I mean, it took a long, wow. long, long time. So 
Could there have been a season two? Maybe, but... <laughs> but yeah, it, everyone was so scattered by that well, point. we were all a little bit like, it might be time to move on. And I had within it, I mean, I had written and rewritten and rewritten like three different versions of a whole season. Yeah. And they finally were like, oh, let's just use the five originals. And I was like, Whoa, okay. Like I had written, I had written every version of everything for that first season. So I was a little bit like, I don't know what I got left. <laughs> You know, but again, if it had happened, I would have been happy to do it. But yeah, yeah, it was. But I, it was so much fun, and you know, I got to see John Michael Higgins and Paul Whitten oh, wow. do yeah. this. It's one of my favorite episodes in in that show where he comes on and he's a director of a commercial, and our lead actor, who is a soap actor, you know, who does the oh, looks, yeah. and he gets thirty second close ups where he tears up in everyone, and he has a mm-hmm. voice that he lowers specifically for his soap acting, and it's. Just it was just a really fun, like kind of a sketch, but it was a really, really fun scene. I got to see him do that. You know, it's amazing. Um, so that right. was my and first... to hear your words. Oh, my God. Being performed by, yeah, you know, by Jane one of the Lynch greats. and John Michael yeah. Higgins and all these great, right. great people. It was awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Did. OK, so then does does work beget work like this sort of like you were you had done that so that opened other doors? Or is it still like it's just starting from zero, hustling every single time? Um, it depends. So I, um, I loved, I love writing with other people, but hmm. any time okay. that you put created by or written by, and there's more than one person, hmm. uh, it in a weird way, unless you're a permanent writing team partner with that person, hmm. what happens to you as an individual writer? Even though you go, but wait. I've written all of these things and I, unless you have written something totally by yourself, your agents can't do anything with it. Oh, really? Oh yeah. It's the worst. I learned that lesson the hard way because I was lazy enough to want to work with other people all the time. Well, it's also fun. It's fun. Right. Right. But, But you know, they, they couldn't show dropping the soap to anybody as a, as an example of my writing, even though it's absolutely an example of my writing. And Paul and Kate would have absolutely said that. But, you know, technically, all our names are on it. And, yeah. you know, I, it's teleplay by, but that doesn't mean anything. That just, so, right. unfortunately, um, that didn't, that didn't really help my career, except huh. that it, it was a wonderful experience. And I got to work with all those people. Um, and then, you know, uh, from there, like that, but I then I really shifted into writing things by my like pulling up my big girl pants and writing things on my own <laughs> <laughs> because like so at that point it's, it's writing things on your own to to have sole credit essentially like that's your creation that you made it or were you already started in thinking about and I want to direct this well while I was on set with um, dropping the soap okay. Paul and I came up with this idea for a short the first short killing vivian and it was based it was a true story because his his dog was sick and he thought he was gonna have to put his dog down and (laughs) i know that's not funny but um but i was like oh my god he goes i just wish i didn't have to be the one to do it you know and i and i'm an idiot i grew up on a ranch and i'm like i'll do it i'll (laughs) and i was dead serious i was like i'll go to your house i'll take your dog to the vet like We'll handle it. Like, you'll you'll be fine. Like, I, I, I'll do it. Like, you don't have to do it. And he was like, he looked at me like I was a monster. And I was like, oh, that's a that's a really weird thing to say, isn't it? He's like, yeah. And so that was the premise for Killing Vivian is like a, 
a guy whose dog starts to get sick and his best friend offers to kill it. And then when the dog starts to get better, the best friend like still wants to kill the dog. And that's the premise of the movie. Okay. (laughs) So, but that was my first time directing. So uh, that was what really made me go, oh, oh, this feels good. I wrote this and, and I directed it and I get to make the jokes exactly the way I want. And, and that felt really good. And, and, you know, I had written on my own and I was getting to that point where I was like, I'm a little, I want to see what happens if I don't have that other person going, no, it should go this way. Like I kind of wanted to fail on my own to try to see Hmm. what could come, you know, and I started to write on my own during that time. Like I wrote a movie after I wrote that, co-wrote the movie with my first writing partner, Jennifer, and I wrote it. I've written a bunch of movies now since then. Yeah. Uh, And so these have all been like you sent them out like they they sort of like, you know, made the circuit. um, Well, they (laughs) did. I mean, I know know a lot of times just they go out to that. It's just crickets. Yeah, there was. I. I don't know that they ever went out. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know that they ever went out. My my agent uh, didn't didn't like. I don't. I don't. He didn't like them. <laughs> <laughs> this this is your writing agent, right? Yeah, and I'm a, like I don't think I. It, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens with this movie that I just directed because yeah, you know, because now I'm like. I do have scripts and I'm wondering like, and I love my scripts, you know, and there yeah. are other people that wa- read them and they're like, this is fucking fantastic. Right. So yeah. it, it, it'll be interesting to see if it was just that guy who didn't like them and he just happened to be the guy I was dating at the time uh-huh. or, or if it's really, if people are like, Ooh, honey, no, you need to write new stuff. You know what I mean? It'll, yeah. It'll be interesting. But now it feels more like a job because even though I wasn't selling the scripts and I wasn't, you know, like I yeah. was writing them like it was my job. I mean, I, I, that's where I've honed my craft. So now I've written enough movies now that it's not actually such a huge labor. If you give me a book and you go, what do you think? Could you make this into a movie? And I'm like, I don't know, give me three weeks. And I can easily yeah. come back to you with a totally fleshed out outline that makes sense that it's in movie structure and it's a great film. And I've done that enough now that, I feel like, well, it's endless. I mean, I could, I could make a hundred movies and they would all be good, in my opinion. <laughs> you know, you know, maybe not the thing that yeah. the market needs or maybe not the best thing I've ever written, but it was literally just the practice of that. And I think that's the most important thing. Like, it doesn't matter if you sold something, you will. Yeah. You know, I, I, there is somebody who wants to do my next like four movies, you know, and yeah. that's where you go, well, thank God I have four movies because... You know, I I don't have to go and now and write four new movies like he likes my voice. This is all stuff I've done. It's just a matter of it clicking right. at the right time. And it's like, even if that didn't happen, it still would have been practiced so that if you say to me, hey, I want you to write a movie, I go done. I know how yeah. to do that. And it feels good. There's so much rejection in any case, like, right. you know, so. And maybe that's not that's not true for everybody, but that is true for most people and even the most crazy successful. You know, I felt really good, actually, because I wrote, there was this kid's book that I had adapted into a pitch and I loved it. And, I, you know, when you adapt it into a, a feature pitch, you basically have the whole movie. You have to pitch the whole movie. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. 
So right. I had written the movie in my mind and, yeah. and I loved it. And I've been wanting to do this kid's book forever. And I, it, I, it was all kismity. And I lined up with a producing friend of mine and he had a relationship at Netflix and he got us a meeting and we went in and I pitched the hell out of that movie and I made him cry. And it, it just ticked every box of everything I wanted to do. And I was like, yes, this book is going <laughs> to get made. This is a movie. Da -da. And then the feedback was that like, they weren't sure that because and it was it was a book. I'll I'll tell you. It was a book called Grace for President. It's about a little girl who runs for president at her okay, local elementary school. I love yeah. this book, and I obviously fleshed it out a bunch. But they were like, we're not sure if the if elections really reach a global audience, and everything that Netflix does has to have a global audience. Uh. And and I was like, um, elections are okay. <laughs> Children aren't global. Okay, like I've, you know, but it, it was obviously a pass, but it really was like, oh, God, I, I don't know how to write for a global audience. And I kind of took it personally. And then I heard <laughs> I heard on the Smartless podcast, like one of those guys, Will Arnett or one of those guys talking yeah. about mm -hmm. Netflix passing on something because it didn't have a global audience. And I was like, oh, oh, it's not because Mandy Fabian is a novice. Like, it's because yeah. that's what they say sometimes. And so. Yeah. Well, it's like they're because they're not thinking about how it's going to play in Peoria. They're thinking about how it's going to play in, you know, Beijing. Yeah. Yeah. Because global audience. Yeah. So, yeah, I can kind of get that. If like a bunch of the countries they're trying to get to don't have elections, then, yeah, I can see why they might pass. Well, and think about how many writers and scripts and everything there are out there, right? Like their yeah. job is actually to find the reason to say no. I mean, yeah, they're looking for the yes, but really like there's so many probably pretty good projects. They can't do them all. They have to be really discerning. Like it, it the thing that they pick almost has to be so inevitable for them. It doesn't yeah. really matter if it's a good project or not. It's like, it just has to be inevitable. I mean, I'm not saying it's not good, but you know what I'm saying? Like that, I know what you're that, saying. That yeah. there's, there's such a different, it's the right story at the right time. Yeah. It's such a different, weird thing that like, so for us, you know, we just keep writing the good stories. Like that's our job. It's not, it's yeah. not also then to sell it at Netflix. Like that's lucky and great. And that happens to a lot of people. It happens. Some people it happens once and then it never happens again. Like, but yeah. That's actually ultimately not our job. Our job is to keep creating right. this content and getting, hopefully, growing and and servicing these ideas that come along. And some of them are like, oh, that was just meant for me to write it. And it yeah. sits in my computer. And then some are like, yeah. oh, sat yeah. in my computer for five years and now it's a film, you know? That's right. And that's where we're going to stop the conversation for today. If you'd like to hear more of Mandy's voice, she's got her very own podcast. It's called The Mand Cave. Hosting collaboration with her friend, Mandy Kaplan. You'll find it wherever the finest podcasts are found. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the next chapter in the Curiosity Codex, but there are still many pages left to decipher. We're part of the True Story FM family of podcasts. Find out more about us at truestory.fm. Our theme music is Intrusion by Severed Personality, a.k.a. Kevin McLeod. The voice of the Codex is Vicki Hall. Find her on the web at vickihall.squarespace.com. And my name is Kyle Olson. The Codex is closed for now. <laughs> <laughs>